This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Hey everyone, welcome to the Oklahoma Sports Show. I am Jason Evans, and we are so glad that you would decide to be a part of this podcast. Uh, I want to get things straight right off the bat. Unfortunately, Jared is not with us for this episode. Uh, as some of you know, Jared lives in Cushing, Oklahoma, which was hit by a 5.0 earthquake at the beginning of the week. And as part of his civic duty and his duties as an employee of the city, he is helping with some of that recovery. And so I'm sure when he gets back, hopefully next week, uh, we'll get to hear all about it and we'll get to hear about what's happening in Cushing. But unfortunately, tonight you are stuck with me. And uh, I didn't want to go it alone, so I, I reached out to a few friends. We do have some special guests that will be joining us later in the episode, and uh, but we'll, we'll reveal those as time uh, calls for it. I want to get started today by talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, how about those Thunder 6-1 and one, uh, as of the time of recording this podcast? Uh, they, they took down the Miami Heat on this past Monday, and uh, their lone loss coming to the Golden State Warriors out in Oakland. And uh, I think probably we're familiar with the Kevin Durant game. I think he had 39 points. And uh, that's kind of to be expected. It was his his opportunity to shine and his opportunity to prove uh, why he wanted to go play for Golden State. And so I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about it. It's the first first time they've met they'll meet this year, and so there's a lot of basketball left to be played. But I mean, come on, six and one. I don't I don't think many people would have expected this after the kind of off season the Thunder had, and after the the Durant situation, after all the questions about Durant and Westbrook. Uh, here they are, and they're actually off to their best start in in since the franchise has been in Oklahoma City. And so uh, that's that's pretty amazing. And the Russell Westbrook World Tour is in full effect, averaging 30 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists a game. And uh, it, it will be fun to watch Russell do his thing this year. I really just cannot wait to see what he does. And, you know, last week, unfortunately, we didn't get an episode posted. We had some technical difficulties and some scheduling problems. And, uh, and, and, but we did actually get some segments recorded. And last week, uh, Jake Weaver, a friend of the podcast, uh, called in and he joined us and we talked some Thunder basketball. And so, uh, I, I wanted to play some of that for you as we just got the show started. And some of this stuff, it may, it may be dated because we talked before they, they went out west and, and played the, uh, Golden State Warriors. But, uh, we do kind of talk about the season in general and what we're looking for. And so, uh, I just want to play that for you. Uh, this is my conversation with Jake Weaver is what we're just going to pick it up as we're talking about Thunder basketball. And then we'll come back and we'll, we'll keep going and talk about some college football. So here's our conversation with Jake. Hey Jake, thanks for being here. As we just kind of get started, what are some things you're looking for this season from the Thunder? I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun to watch. And it's not going to be fun to watch just because NBA, you know, basketball is back. Um, Russell's putting on a show. I think, uh, you know, I think he's averaging 38 points a game right now. Yeah. Um, And I know it's early. I know it's early. Uh, But I think he's getting ready to put put together a season uh, unlike anything we've ever seen. You know, once upon a time, LeBron James played on a nobody team in Cleveland. So people forget that he played on a and he played on a team that didn't have a lot of talent, and that's the same thing Russ is doing right now in Oklahoma City. And I think he's getting right at I mean below people's minds 
um, statistically. You know, he's we we know who Russ is. We know Russ is going to make some stupid turnovers, and we know he's going to shoot the ball up. But when he's having 51, 51, 13, 10 games, that's that's crazy stats right yeah. there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it was the second game he had sixteen assists. He knows he, him and Stephen Adams got great chemistry right now. Yeah. Um, but and I'm glad that we locked down uh, Stephen Adams and uh, uh, who else did we like? Oh, Oladipo. Oladipo. Yeah. So I'm glad that we got those guys going. You know, going into the next five years. But uh, Russell's going to put on a show this year, and you know, I, I think Vegas has got got us winning 45 games this year. I think we might win a little bit more, but even if we go under 45 games, that's not going to take away from a great season we're getting ready to watch. It's going to be fun to watch Russell play. I'll tell you, he's going to shoot 30 times, and he's going to make some really cool plays, and he's going to have some bonehead moves, but I think that's why you love Russell. Yeah. Because you never know what he's going to do, you know? So, uh, Steph Curry said it best. He said, a reporter asked him what he thought about Kevin Durant coming back to play in Oklahoma City, and he said, I just played in Oklahoma City a lot and played them. He hasn't. So, I think that kind of says, oh, I think Steph even knows that Kevin's going to be kind of loud at the, at Westbrook's speed and ability and decision making. Yeah, because Durant's always been on the on the good end of that. So I don't think even Kevin realizes uh, what Russell is fully capable when you know he hasn't played against him. So that's gonna be fun to watch. You know, early in Russell's career, the fans I think and and I don't mean any disrespect to any fans, but I think fans who who didn't understand the type of person Russell was, they didn't get it. It was frustrating. He you know, boneheaded plays, you know, Durant this, Durant this, he's he's so great, da 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 da. But but what I'm loving about Russell and what I've always loved about him is how hard he plays the game. And and right. he is in that mold of of the Kobe Bryants and and I'm not I'm not saying this lightly, he's in the mold of the Michael Jordans. Even Michael Jordan has said that. Who who reminds you the most of you? He'll say Russell Westbrook. And That's crazy. and um you know, it's it's no accident that Russell Westbrook is a Jordan brand guy. And mm-hmm. and he plays so hard and he's so competitive. He's gonna make mistakes, he's gonna overshoot. He's going to overreact in in moments, in key moments, but it's because of that drive. And as he continues to get older, he's going to get better. I, I was fortunate enough to get to go to that the Laker game last Sunday, and um, you know, you mentioned Russell's connection with Stephen Adams. The first half, especially, I mean, it was a thing of beauty watching that pick and roll. And you know, yeah. the, the 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 team this year, they're still got to figure out how they're going to play together. The bench is still terrible on the wings. Um, they they have no ball movement when you go to the second unit. And um, it's basically just canter down there, and so they've they've still got to figure that stuff out. But watching the the spacing that that was opened up, and and seeing canter, or excuse me, seeing Adams and Westbrook run that pick and roll. It was really just a thing of beauty. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be one of those go-to situations. And, and, you know, in a, in a weird way, I could see this team by the end of the season looking more like a San Antonio Spurs team than like mm-hmm. a Golden State team or a Cleveland team. Yep. You know, I think they, they can put up 108 points or 110 points on any given night, but I also think they'll be able to win games by scoring 90, 91. But right. by like manner, I think they'll lose games scoring 90 and 91. 
one, and they'll lose yeah. games scoring 110. And and but that's all just that that learning curve. Um, you know, I I mentioned to somebody uh, I can't remember who it was. You said maybe a little bit more than 40 45 games. I think I I I threw out 48, and I know that's that's probably a real reach. I mean, especially in the Western Conference. But but if this team can stay healthy, and if Russell just really just goes all out, and you know, I I I mentioned Sunday to the guy I was at the game with. He's you know, I was just looking for Russell this year to go into like that 88 Jordan mode where he just averaged like 37 points a game and just, he was just tired of losing. And so he was just going to mm-hmm. take over. And so, uh, it, it'll be fun to, to see how that happens, but there'll definitely be some bobbles. Um, in my opinion, Jake, this will be a great opportunity. I know he's still young in the league, but this will be a great opportunity to see how good of coach Billy Donovan is and, and yeah. how good he will be, uh, as the, as he takes this team that, you know, the, the Thunder have made moves. They've signed, they, you know, like you mentioned, they extended Adams and Oladipo. They've, they, they've already made a trade. And so, um, you know, they're, they're making moves. I think this could be a team that makes moves going up to the deadline, but, mm-hmm. but it's going to be interesting to see how Donovan takes the team he's given and molds them. And hopefully, uh, for Thunder fans, turns them into a successful, successful story this season. But it, it should be a lot of fun. Right. I, I just don't think that, um, you know, this, this incoming free agency uh, period, we've got Blake Griffin and other big names on the block. You can't tell me that these guys aren't going to watch this crazy season that Westbrook puts together and then not think about, man, I, I wonder if I could fit in that mold. Because um, okay, he's proven that, you know, even with Scotty, you know, Scotty was still coaching, but, you know, he, he was he still coached. You know, we, we got frustrated with what he did sometimes with, to 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 uh, be employed for a franchise that uh, has Sam Presti making moves all over the place. He he looks like a genius a lot of the times. Yeah, I know everybody refers back to losing James Harden, but it, it looks more and more like it that was going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are more upset that we didn't get a ring first, but um, I, I I think this year is just going to be great to show people, you know, we can have a really big time uh, team if we could get another big fish out there, you know, Oladipo is, I, I love Oladipo's play. I think he, he has the capability to be, people forget this is his fourth season. So th- this could be his biggest season. It's looking like, I think he's averaging 18 to 21 points somewhere in there. Yeah, so seven, 17 first, right now. Um, yeah. in his first three seasons, he averaged a little over 15. So we're already seeing a bump there, but he's going to have a ton of opportunity. Um, but I think people just need to, you know, we've been, I don't want to say spoiled, maybe the last you know, four, five, six years, somewhere in there. But, you know, when we first got to Oklahoma City, there were struggles, you know, winning 30, 30, between 30 and 40 games, always playing the Lakers the first round. But we still packed out the arena, and everybody in Oklahoma loves to watch, you know, Thunder basketball. I think people kind of just need to get back into that mold, and let's just enjoy it this year because we're going to see some growth by the team. But the Russell Westbrook show is in full effect, and it's steamrolling through the NBA right now. Yeah, it it it'll definitely be fun to watch and uh it's it's a long season so we'll have a lot to talk about and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on the show and uh talk about it as we move forward. Is the Thunderpad set up and and rocking? The Thunderpad uh yeah, it's newly renovated. You know, I just bought a new house, so but uh, I have put together the uh Thunderpad. It's fully functional. Uh, there is no popcorn machine, but uh, I'm thinking about and make you know making an installment there. <laughs> well, uh, maybe we can do a live podcast from the Thunderpad one night. That would be that would be a, a dream come true. 
that might be one of the greatest ideas I've ever heard. So, well, we'll put it in the books. We'll do it for uh, <laughs> we'll do it for either a Warriors game or a Cleveland game. Yeah, maybe like maybe uh, maybe Warriors at home. That yeah. would be a crazy. That might be a. That might you know Kevin Durant's first game back at back at the Chesapeake, bro. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to put that in the books and make that happen. But Jake, uh, we'll let you go. I, I appreciate you spending more time on the show than, than, than what I asked for. So thank you so much, sir. No, cool, man. It was, it was fun. Anytime. All right. We'll see you later, man. All right. See you, bud. And that was our conversation with Jake Weaver. Like I said, that was last week, but uh, we'll, we'll get Jake on the show and uh, in the future, talk some Thunder and probably talk some OU sports as well. Well, I want to go ahead and switch gears and talk about the week that was in college football. We had some, uh, well, two kind of uh, blowout games and then one real exciting game up in Manhattan, Kansas. And so we'll start talking about the Oklahoma State Cowboys victory over Kansas State. It was, it was a crazy game. I uh, came down literally to the last play, but Oklahoma State won 43 to 37. And, uh, it was a game that had a little bit of everything. And, uh, we wanted to bring our buddy Josh Dreyer onto the show and, uh, to, to hear his thoughts about how this Oklahoma State game went. And so, uh, Josh, how's it going, man? Man, I'm doing great. It's, uh, three, 38 in the afternoon here sun setting it's a it's a cool uh easy breezy uh 10 degrees outside and uh you know i can't complain it's beautiful snow on the ground there there we you know we got about two inches this uh this weekend so uh fairbanks looks right again we haven't had a whole lot of snow yet this year so it's good had my cappuccino today from my favorite uh, espresso bar on national cappuccino day so I'd say that I'm flying pretty high. Well, that's good. Well, uh, speaking of flying pretty high, let's talk about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Did you like that transition? That was pretty good, wasn't it? Um, that, was, that was smooth. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Winners in Manhattan, 43-37, to 37, uh, as is the usual against the Kansas State Wildcats. It literally came down to the final play. An interception in the end zone by Jordan Stearns. Um, just to get things started, Josh, uh, what are your overall thoughts about that game? You know, I, uh, I'm actually quite impressed, uh, you know, that the Cowboys came out with the W. Uh, I was shocked, you know, actually going into that, that third quarter, watching uh, just the ability of the Wildcats to, uh, to move the ball down the field um, almost with ease. Um, I, you know, I, I honestly was somewhat preparing myself, you know, for a loss. But, um, man, I got I to gotta credit. Uh, credit the defense there at the end who made a couple, you know, a couple plays at a key stop. You know, I think I was talking to you and just said, Hey, we need to stop it. I think it was right after Oklahoma State scored a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I said, Hey, we need to stop after this. And that was after Oklahoma State had let the quarterback, you know, I mean, just run down the field wide open. It's almost as if, you know, they, they weren't prepared for, uh, a quarterback who was basically going to drop back in the pocket and run up the middle or the side or whatever hole he found. Um, so I'm impressive win. I, I think that, that you had shared a stat. They don't only won in Manhattan, uh, two times in the last number of years. Is that right? Yeah. They, they won in, uh, 2010 and then, uh, this year, uh, since 88. So it was a few and far between, uh, up in Bill Steiner land. So it is, I mean, it's a tough place to play, um, and, and that's no fact, um, you know, but uh, somehow, some way, the Cowboys found a way to come out on top. 
And, uh, you know, I think I was just impressed that they did that speaks volumes, even though, you know, I think, uh, I was, I was looking at there in the third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, eight minutes left. I thought, man, can they do this? They're still close, you know? Um, so I, I'm real impressed with the, with the ability for the defense, even though that they were sucking air. I don't think there is any oxygen left, uh, in that stadium because the entire defensive uh, you know, 11 guys were sucking all the action because they were tired. Um, but great win for the Cowboys. It, it was a great win. I think, uh, you know, coaches would say, and we as fans can be the toughest sometimes, but when you get to this point in the season, uh, a win is, is gold and a win on the road is, uh, whatever is better than gold. Um, <clears throat> It's just not something that, that happens a whole lot late in the season, especially against a team like Kansas State, which, uh, you know, and we, we've talked about, and I mean, people in these parts know this, Kansas State doesn't always have the best athletes, but they're probably the most well-coached and most fundamentally sound team, at least in the Big 12 Conference. And so it's never easy to go into Manhattan. And, you know, I, I echo your sentiments, you know, halfway through the third quarter, by the end of the third quarter, um, you know, we're sitting there and it is a... Uh, 37 20 uh 30 to 28 at the end of the third quarter and Kansas State scores within the first couple minutes of the fourth to go up 37 28 and I mean you're you're it, all hope is lost it, it appears um until uh the 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 infamous 82 yard strike from Mason Rudolph to James Washington uh pulled the Cowboys within 37 35 and I think that was when you Reference: We needed the stop. Oklahoma State needed the, the stop, and um, the man who's been doing it all season long, uh, uh, Taylor, down there in the middle, he's the one who got that third down stop, wrapped up Ertz, and and at that point, Josh, how did you feel about Oklahoma State's chances? At which point, sorry, after they got that stop down by two. I thought we were in it because I really thought, you know, uh, obviously their corners and safeties, uh, you know, couldn't cover anybody. And, and Mason could pretty much do and throw wherever he wanted as long as he had the protection to do so. I really thought we could do it. I guess my worry was when we ran that touchdown and, you know, the scored that touchdown running touchdown, I thought, oh, there's there's our minute and, what, 30, 40 seconds yeah, left on the clock. That might have been maybe. too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I sat there, I, I thought to myself, should he have just laid on the, on the five-yard line maybe a little bit? But then you think, oh, with the uh, the woes that we have inside the red zone, would we be able to score from the five? So I'm just kind of, you know, I mean, so I was playing devil, devil's advocate there in my mind. Um, you know, happy we got to score. And, and then, honestly, you know, they, they – what they do? They marched on the field, and so I thought, oh boy, here we go again. Um, and you know, I actually uh, I just moved into to our new house and thought I'm about to break the first window here already <laughs> if they throw a touchdown here and beat us. And that, that you know, my wife would not be happy about that. But thankfully, all windows are safe, and uh, uh, the quarterback was off. They didn't know it in the red zone there at the end either. So yeah. Cowboys, uh, Cowboys, you know. Uh, and, and that's what going into that drive, I thought, okay, they're going to have to throw here. Uh, but then as, as Oklahoma state typically does, you know, they, they drop everybody into, into prevent defense, which you do. But when you do that with the quarterback, who's going to run, he said, fine, you just gave me 30 yards in front of me. I'll run that. Mm-hmm. So it might as well have been a 30 yard pass. He just ran at 30 yards, you know, and that's kind of how they marched down the field there till the end. When they didn't have any timeouts left, they knew they couldn't run the ball and they had to throw it. And then there's where, you know, 
Kansas State not being good at throwing the ball there at the end probably hurt him a little bit. Yeah, and and I want to talk about that specifically with Oklahoma State defense. Ertz, uh, Jesse Ertz rushed as a quarterback, carried the ball 30 times for 153 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, Glenn Spencer is is kind of known as I mean he's not known as the greatest defensive coordinator ever but he's known for being able to see what's happening in the first half make adjustments in the second half and then then really put his players in position to to be successful in the second half and 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 I think a lot of people who watch Oklahoma State closely would say normally that even if Oklahoma State loses uh the the defense is much better in the second half that didn't happen against Kansas State. In fact, it was it was almost the opposite. And against a team like Kansas State that you know they can't pass, or if you make them pass, they're at least going to become much less dangerous. How how come Glenn Spencer didn't didn't make the adjustments necessary to to prevent Kansas State from just running that zone read all day? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that was a shock to me. I missed the first half because, like I said, I was moving, but I, I got home, was able to, to, to catch the second half. I saw at halftime we were up, and I thought, oh, you know, we're we're doing pretty good. And then it's like, here comes second half, and they're running all over us, and we're down by four or something like that. Oklahoma State, you know, they scored 14 points in the in the uh, third quarter, and uh, it wasn't there till late that we scored uh, the touchdown going into the third quarter. Um, you know, with 41 seconds left in the third quarter. So they kind of manhandled us there, which is a little bit shocking. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, I was, and I think one thing I mentioned to you during the game was why don't they just, you know, knowing that this is, it's not a running back that's hurting Oklahoma State. Um, it, it, it was a quarterback, you know, um, and, and looking at the stats, you know, 30 carries for 153 yards. Um, he only threw the ball 18 times. Um, so it wasn't a running back. You knew that, that if anybody was going to run, it was going to be the quarterback. Why don't you put a spy, a linebacker, or a safety, or whoever, and then that way, if he does go, you've got somebody man-marked on him. I was shocked that didn't happen sooner um, than it did. Uh, and, 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 you know, Glenn, like you said, usually is pretty good at, at figuring that out in the second half, um, and it, it seemed like it didn't happen this week. Yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting, and especially as you move into the last three games of the season, home against Texas Tech, then at TCU, and at Oklahoma. I mean, these are the probably the three best offenses that the Cowboy defense is going to face, and and it's not necessarily a, a uber amount of confidence seeing that Kansas State, you know, had four hundred and thirty something yards of total offense, um, you know, and and so I think it's going to be key going forward. Is 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 this defense because the one difference in, and I read this, I think it was in the Tulsa world. Uh, the one difference this year versus last year is the defensive depth, even among the injuries that have happened uh, it overall is better this year. And overall the, the stats show that they've played fewer plays and fewer downs so far this year. So I think compared to last year, that's going to help this defense, but now it may be more of a question of philosophy as opposed to, to just uh, wear and tear on these defensive players. And I think that'll be huge going in uh, to the future. But Josh, real fast, uh, what do you think of Mason Rudolph's performance? Pretty good, wasn't it? Man, uh, he sure is fun to watch. Uh, you know, going twenty nine of thirty eight for four hundred fifty seven yards, five touchdowns, two ints, which uh, is is Mason of last year. Uh, this year, he's been really good at making and protecting the ball. 
um, not throwing it into, into uh, double coverage or into dicey situations. Um, you know, I think this year, more than last year, he's probably been less accurate, but he hasn't thrown those INTs. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, saw him run a couple more times uh, this weekend than than typical. And, uh, you know, it's funny to, to, to hear commentators, you know, just talk about his immobility because uh, he's not the, the, the fastest, most athletic white guy in the world. Um, but, but he knows how to throw. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy watching him. I, you know, it, it's as if the Wildcat defense didn't know that, you know, Oklahoma State knows how to throw the ball. Because uh, they certainly weren't prepared for it. So, um, but it's it's cool to see Mason lead this team. You read what Mason says about uh, Coach Gundy uh, and and his love for Oklahoma State. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in the next couple of weeks. You know, as as we face um, you know possibly a gunslinging you know high scoring game as usual against uh, Tech this weekend, and then you know two road games, uh, big ones. TCU ran all over Baylor this weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens there in, in Fort Worth and then, of course, uh, Bedlam. So. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we, we are here because of the Baylor loss. Oklahoma State, at just like OU, uh, completely controls, controls their own destiny. It's, it's just that point of now it's one game at a time and you've just got to win one game at a time. And, uh, you know, once again, the, the makings are there for a Bedlam showdown that I believe, I don't want to get too far ahead of the game here, Josh, but I believe in our college football preview edition, you actually predicted that, didn't you? Well, and I think I predicted that even though uh, you and, and Mr. Kennedy kind of gave me a little flack for it, but I stand by it uh, still uh, sitting here in November, um, you know, so, hey, let's Let's, let's see what happens. One game at a time, right? Well, one game at a time. And in order for Oklahoma State to make that happen, they have to take care of Texas Tech at home. Uh, this Saturday, it's a 2-30 game. And you mentioned it. These games with Tech are almost always uh, just the, the shoot them out uh, games. Oklahoma State hung 70 on Texas Tech last year in Lubbock. And, uh, but I think, I think if memory serves, Tech put about 55 or 58 up as well. So... <laughs> Um, these games uh, have the, the the ability to just get out of hand in a hurry, and we saw Tech and OU do that uh, just a few weeks ago. But when you're looking at these matchups on paper, obviously Tech can score a lot of points, averages in 46 a game, but they give up a lot of points. They actually give up more points than OU uh, than Oklahoma State averages. Uh, Tech aver- uh, gives up almost 42 a game, and, and OSU's coming in averaging almost 41 a game. And so... Uh, other than the fact that a lot of points are going to be scored, what's the key uh, in this game for an Oklahoma State victory? You know, I think it's got to go, you know, obviously, and I think we talked about this early on in the season for, for the preview, is defense, really. You know, I mean, looking at, you know, I'm just looking at Tech's schedule here. You know, I mean, they they scored, fifty, you know, 59 points on Oklahoma. Um, but then they only got 17 on West Virginia, which we, you know, we scored pretty well on, on West Virginia there, uh, 37 points, which West Virginia is a low scoring team. So <clears throat> I think it shows you a couple of things. Um, you know, the Big 12 this year is pretty unpredictable. Um, and obviously Big 12 is known for good quarterbacks, high scoring, terrible defense. That's always the argument. SEC, da, 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 da. Um, you know, but I think it's going to, to come back to our defense. And one of the things I always thought is that Oklahoma State was well set up 
for these high-octane offenses because that's what they face on a day-to-day basis in practice. Um, but that theory, I don't think, has really served us well this season, and you saw that last week with our defense uh, huffing and puffing. I don't know if that's because uh, Glenn and Mike have gone after um, less um, athletic, in-shape uh, you know, defensive fronts, uh, middles, back. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's all going to depend on, uh, you know, probably who's got enough stamina, who's got the, um, who's in shape enough uh, to make a stop when you need to. You know, I, I remember watching that game Saturday, and as Kansas State was driving, they had a couple key timeouts, timeouts there at the end, and you saw some Oklahoma State boys, you know, breathing deep, and you could just tell that they were sucking air. It's in those points where you've got to push through and say, I'm going to give it all I have, even though it hurts like crap. i got to make this stop. Who's going to make that stop, you know, when they need to? So we'll see. I agree, and the encouraging thing, I guess, you could say about that situation is they made the stop in the end. And so, Absolutely. um, you know, they, they came out victorious and, and I agree. I think it's, it's going to be on the defense. And, and one thing I'm going to watch for is I think you're going to see Gundy really, 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 really try to run the football. Um, I think he'll feel like they can have success running against this tech defense and, and statistics would show that, that they should have success. Tech gives up 236 yards on the ground on the defensive side of the ball. And so uh, I think you'll see Gundy try to control the clock, uh, manage the tempo on his offense, which, you know, you've heard me talk about it. I don't necessarily like that. Um, I don't think it's what this team is best suited for, but I, I almost would promise that's what they'll try to do, at least in the early going um, against this tech team, is basically just try to keep the ball out of their hands. Yeah, it, it – um as always with tech, you know, I, man, I, I remember, and this was back, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Uh, I've always, always, always been nervous at tech. And it was that, that year uh, that, that you and I were in Haiti and it was the week that we played tech. And that's the week where Dundee, you know, became the most famous, uh, you know, coach in, in all college football, sticking up for his players. Cause he's, you know, 40. And, um, but that was the game against tech and, and you just, you wonder, and, and, and that's when Mike Leach was at Tech and, and gunslinging and throwing and scoring. And, uh, you know, uh, they haven't been able to continue to recruit those kind of uh, quarterbacks and, and athletes under, uh, you know, uh, their young pup of a, of a coach, although he's been there for a number of years. I, I think I heard the other day that he's been there for four or five, five years, which is shocking. Um, but uh, but it's going to be a great game to watch, nonetheless. And and let's let's hope that that uh, you know that Hill can have himself a day. That'd be nice. Yeah, it 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 should be a fun game, and it should be. It's just another game into that step of of controlling your own destiny. If Oklahoma State's really going to compete for a conference title, uh, they they have to win this weekend. And so, uh, but Josh, we got to get you out of here, and I appreciate you being a part of it. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and evening, brother. Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, you do the same, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, thanks. That was Josh Dreyer uh, calling in all the way from Alaska. Thanks again, Josh, for, for being a part of the show. And we want to stay on this guest train and uh, keep things going. And we want to talk about the University of Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Tulsa uh, coming off a big win against East Carolina. They now sit at 7-2 and two 
on the season and have a big showdown with Navy coming up. And this is the, the game that, that is the pathway to a division title in the American Athletic Conference. And so uh, we just wanted to bring Kelly Hines in of the Tulsa world. Uh, Kelly is the beat writer for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane football team. And so uh, she is up close and personal with the team. And so we wanted to get her thoughts on the season and on this upcoming game. And so, uh, Kelly, thank you for joining us. And how's your day? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, you know, we wanted to talk with you about uh, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane football. This is it's been a, a great season so far, sitting at seven and two. And uh, Kelly, uh, you're you're with the team, the coaches quite a bit and you, you see them day in and day out. What what would you say are some of the keys for their success so far this season? Well, I think um, you definitely have to start on defense. You know, I think uh, this is a dramatic of a turnaround um, year to year uh, on one side of the ball, as you could really imagine. Um, I think uh, really every position, every player on defense has gotten better since last year. And some of that is just because it's year two in the system. And, uh, you know, you had two co-defensive coordinators last year who, um, you know, brought in different ideas and different systems. And now you're kind of seeing them kind of mold those together. And um, it's been uh, really a staggering difference um, across the board on defense, but, you know, also on offense to see people to have this, the success that it's had running the ball, I don't think anybody could have predicted. You know, they're most likely going to have two 1,000-yard rushers. Um, you know, uh, James Flanders hit 1,000 yards last week, and James Ober is, like, I think, 17 yards from hitting 1,000. Probably will do that this week. So, you know, obviously, a lot of that is, is um, you know, credited to the offensive line, um, you know, creating some of those goals. But uh, those are probably the two biggest things that, um, you know, led to the team being at, you know, seven and two, uh, the best start this season since 2012, which was a, a special year too. So, um, quite a difference from not only last year, but, um, you know, definitely two years ago when they won only two games. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been a great turnaround, and uh, I, I do want to dive into that running game a little bit. You mentioned that offensive line. Um, I, I know you wrote an article, uh, I think uh, it was two weeks ago, uh, after the uh, Memphis game, I think, and uh, you you mentioned the this team uh, how often they've gone over three hundred yards rushing, and uh, I mean they they obviously have some great running backs and Brewer and Flanders, but I mean how much of that could be attributed to this offensive line? I think quite a lot because you know you you see um, you know, James Flanders is a guy who's going into this year. Yeah, he's had some injuries, but. And, you know, he's been limited because of that. But he had only one rushing touchdown before this season. And now I think he has 14 um, this season, so 15 total. Um, and D'Angelo Zer is a guy who, you know, last year was the most productive back in terms of yards, but certainly um, not as uh, um, overall successful as he's been this season. He's also had some injuries and, and been limited with those. But, um, you know, this offensive line, um, you know, I think now it's six games with 300 rushing yards or more, and you know they played only nine games, so that's pretty ridiculous. So yeah. um, the offensive line had to replace both of its starting guards. Um, one guy graduated, another guy had earned his degree, uh, decided not to come back, and so um, you know they they had to kind of um, you know mix it up with their starting lineup and move some guys around. Um, Blake Belcher um, missed all but one half of the game last season um, with a knee injury, and he had been 
a right tackle, and now he's moved to right guard. He's had some injuries, but he's back. Um, you know, their uh, their center Chandler Miller, a, a guy from Big C, um, he's played really well. I mean, they've just kind of um, gotten that group to gel together, and you know, they also lost their offensive line coach last year, Matt Maddox, who went to Texas, and um, their assistant offensive line coach Mike Blesh stepped in and has just done an incredible job with those guys. Um, really just raising the bar with their, their expectations for themselves and as a unit. And I think really an underrated piece of the whole run game has been um, Chris Mentor, who's a tight end who, you know, they don't really throw too much, but he is just an exceptional blocker. I mean, he's only a sophomore and, you know, doesn't have the size of an offensive lineman or a tight end, but he's just such a physical player. Um, you know, nobody wanted him. He, he was his only offer, and he has just been – such a stud for um, the Hurricane. He's just made a huge difference um, this season. And, you know, I think those are some of the reasons, you know, the run game has been so successful. And, you know, Flanders and Brewer have been good, and there are even other backs behind them um, who have some success. Randy Taylor, who's transferred um, from Oklahoma State, he's done well at times. But I think, really, it's, it's all starts up front. Yeah, and you know it's it's kind of surprising. You know, people hear about Philip Montgomery and his Baylor pedigree and the you know Art Browse offense, and and then you consider that Tulsa loses a few coaches to Texas in in this last off season. And um, I mean, it's really incredible to see that offensive cohesion. But um, you know, is it? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's with Philip Montgomery and the way that he's he's managed this offense. I mean, they kind of they take what the defense gives them, right? And oh, so yeah. they're not afraid uh, to run. And I think sometimes from a from an innocent bystander, we think, well, shouldn't they be throwing for 600 yards instead of rushing for 300? Um, oh yeah, for sure. I think that he's kind of changed, um, you know, the the opinions of what we all thought was a Baylor offense, but you know, Baylor you look at what they do, I mean, it's really the same thing. Like, if, if the defense is going to give you the run, you're going to run. And, you know, Philip has really done a good job of kind of changing um, the mindset of, of fans who, you know, like last year because, um, yeah, they did have some success running the ball, but most of their touchdowns, well, not even miss their touchdowns because they had a short yardage guy once they got into the red zone, but most of their big plays were through the air. And so I really thought that's how it was going to be this season. You know, they had Stephen Lucas back from injury. Yeah, they had replaced C.S. Garrett, but they had Josh Atkinson, who was a 1,000-yard receiver last year. But, you know, they really haven't had as much success passing, um, even though Dane Evans, I think, is, is such a great quarterback in terms of, you know, yeah, he has a great arm, but he also um, is a really good in-game manager of situations. Um, but I think that... Um, just for different reasons, the receivers haven't always been on the right page with him. And, you know, because of that, you know, they've, and, you know, when you're having this much success running the ball, then, you know, that takes some pressure off um, Dane to try to force some things that, you know, in the past he's tried that hasn't worked. And so I think that this has been, you know, an ideal situation for him, um, you know, if, if the if the receivers aren't always running the right routes or, you know, if they're miscommunications, whatever, you know, you can always um, count on at this point, you know, the, the run game to be able to produce. Yeah. And that's, that's always great to have in your, in your back pocket. And you, you mentioned Dane Evans. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's, there's a certain fumble in Houston that he probably wants back very, very badly, <laughs> but, but, you know, other than, 
then then really that play, I mean, his his ability to manage the games, uh, especially in all their victories, has really been remarkable. I mean, you, you can definitely tell he's a senior, but, um, you know, how, how valuable is that for this team as they go into the home stretch? You know, uh, they play Navy. Uh, they, they, you know, they finish the season at home against Cincinnati. And so they, they kind of have uh, everything right in front of them. And I know there's a – oh, UCF. That's who they play in between there. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think that Dane, like, just kind of this year became his team. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest difference um, between this and, and previous years. You know, last year it was the first year, you know, in Philip Montgomery's system. And so everybody was kind of adjusting to that. And, you know, their main goal last year was just to get more eligible, which they did on um, the last game of the regular season. And, you know, Dane obviously was a, a big key for all of that happening. But, you know, they really, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, going into year two, it's just a lot different. You know, they all raised their expectations, and I, I feel like Dane was a really big part of that. Um, you know, now now striving for um, a conference championship or, you know, at least a division title, those sorts of conversations. You know, I feel like Dane really sparked a lot of those. And, um, you know, he's the type of guy who is going to motivate his teammates. And he's, just a, he's kind of like a team captain. You know, he's... he's the quarterback, and that's in a very important role. But um, you know, you don't always see uh, quarterbacks naturally have you know some leadership that that you know really should go along with that position. And um, he's developed so much, both you know in terms of his playing ability and his maturity and all of that. But you know, to be a leader of this team, um, not just the leader of the offense. You know, I think that he's just so well respected by. His teammates, because most of them have seen him struggle and overcome those things, and um, you know, I can't say enough about just how he has to deal with it from a media perspective. He's just like I call him constantly, just like a stand-up guy, because he's the one who, you know, he's going to have a, a a bad game here or there. He hasn't had many lately, but if he does have a bad game, you know, after the Houston loss, he was more than happy to no happy but more than willing to um you know do interviews after that and mm-hmm. um that's what you want to see from a, a fifth year senior who you know has been in the program um you know he graduated a semester early and, and he's been around a long time he's one of the old guys on the team but um you know obviously a lot of the success on the team comes back to him but you know he's just been so impressive to really just watch him develop in, in the last few years since I've been on the beat well, well, looking ahead, uh, this week they, they, they travel to Maryland and they play a 6-2 and two Navy team that's fresh off of a uh, win against Notre Dame, 28-27. to uh, This is, you know, there's still a lot of football left to play, Kelly, but, I mean, this game has kind of become one to circle as far as who's going to be in the driver's seat for that division title. Um, what what do you see playing out in this game as some of the keys? Uh, both teams uh, show the ability to run the football very effectively, um, but but what's going to kind of win out in your opinion? Yeah, I think it, it's going to come down to um, you know can Tulsa's defense prove that it, it has made a lot of strides since last season. I mean, you look at the game um, last year, uh, late in the season when when Navy visited Tulsa, and it was not close at all could have been a, a lot more lopsided than it even was but um i think maybe had 459 rushing yards in that game and you know yeah a lot of that is because of the triple option but you know Tulsa's secondary was 
pretty bad last year and, you know, the year before, but, you know, this, this secondary has come a long way since then. So this is kind of an opportunity to show that it has. So, you know, going up against a triple option is um, really a challenge because you don't have enough time to prepare for it. You know, you're trying to uh, beat East Carolina last week and then, you know, you have a quick turnaround to try to get, you know, a plan together to have a triple option. So, um, you know, I think the defense, if it can, you're not going to be able to really stop a triple option, just try to contain it. So, um, you know, I think the turnover battle is going to be huge. Uh, maybe I think in the last five years is 24 and one when it wins the turnover battle, they don't wow. turn the ball over much and their their defense, um, which they're not really known for their defense because their offense is so prolific, but you know, they're, um, their defense is really solid. It's just a really well-disciplined team all the way around. I mean, being, you know, a U.S. citizen, you want your Naval Academy <laughs> football team to be well-disciplined. But, yeah. you know, they they have the fewest penalties basically every year. Um, and so they're just a really sound team. And, um, you know, they won 14 in a row at home. They won 13 in a row on senior day. So, you know, despite all of those things, Tulsa is somehow favored in this game by a few points, which really surprised me. But, you know, I think it's it's going to be a really tough battle. But, you know, I think um, it's such an opportunity, you know, just to be in the mix this late in the season. It's kind of like with March Madness. Going into March, you just you want your team to be playing for something that late in the year. That's kind of how November is with college football, you know, to be – um, in the mix for something in contention in, in November, um, you know, that's that's a great situation to be in. And a game like this, you know, it's going to be tough, but if somehow they're able to pull it out, like that would be so big for this team um, going into the last two games of the season um, against um, opponents. They should be favored, you know, even more than a couple points against. Yeah, and I I agree completely, and I and I think uh, it 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 is an exciting time. And if you're a TU fan, uh, especially out coming off the last couple seasons, uh, this is this is you couldn't ask for a better situation. Um, I mean, I guess you could ask to be nine and zero, but but I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, it's it's a great spot to be in, like you mentioned, and and I don't think you can you can exaggerate the job that Philip Montgomery has done, and um, you know, you're you're around the program and the university uh, uh, quite a bit, Kelly. I mean, what's What's the the attitude uh, towards Coach Montgomery like as far as the Tulsa administration and the athletic department and things like that? I think that they um, are just hoping that, you know, he doesn't have a better offer come his way. You know, I think that he's going to be a hot commodity, um, you know, maybe not after this season, but I would think certainly after next season if, if, you know, this turnaround, you know, the progression continues, you know, to go from, you know, two wins the season before he took over to six last year to, you know, I think they have a really good shot to get to 10. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, I think that, uh, you know, he's completely underpaid. He's one of the lowest paid coaches in the American. And, you know, I, I would expect that uh, there's going to be, um, you know, a movement to change that, to get him paid, um, you know, up there closer to 2 million, which is, I think standard in college football, yeah, it's a lot of money, especially yeah, at a university that's had, like many universities, um, budget cuts. But, um, you know, I think that's 
that's on par with uh, his value. So um, I know that the administration is very high on him. They're just hoping that he stays uh, for another couple of years um, and, you know, gets this program on, on solid footing for whoever comes in next. I mean, everybody knows that this is not his final destination job. Um, I'm sure he would like to coach at Baylor someday, given his, his background there. I don't think it'll be next year, but I could see that, you know, down the road um, or really any any of the um, schools in Texas. I, I think that uh, any of those are, um, you know, places where I could see him in the future. But for now, it seems like such a great fit for both him and his family, the players who love him. Um, it's just been a really good situation for everybody involved. Well, that's always good to hear. I mean, you know, especially with all the, the chaos that sometimes can surround universities and their programs. And, um, I mean, you can't deny what he's doing at the University of Tulsa. And, and it's been a fun ride, and they've still got a few games to uh, make it even more memorable. But, uh, Kelly, we'll let you get out of here. We appreciate you being part of the, the show today. But um, be safe when you're traveling up to Maryland. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again, Kelly, for for joining the show. Uh, as the season continues to wind down, hopefully we'll be able to have her on again. Well, uh, we, we, we need to talk about the University of Oklahoma, who after that 1-2 and two start, they just continue to keep on winning. They're now 7-2. and two. They're still undefeated in conference play after a solid 34-24 to 24 win on a Thursday night in Ames, Iowa, uh, minus their top two running backs. Uh, Oklahoma still didn't really miss a beat. Baker Mayfield finished with 328 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. And Dimitri Flowers, uh, coming in with, I think, 14 career rushing yards, finishes with 115 yards on 22 carries. And uh, it was definitely a career game for him. And Abdul Adams trying to fill in in the absence of Mixon and P. Ryan finished with eight carries and 54 yards, uh, 32 of those coming on one run. But, you know, anytime you go up to Ames, especially on a Thursday night, uh, you, you, you've got the potential for trouble and OU really eliminated that. It was, it was a hard fought game, kind of a slogger at times. Uh, Iowa State did take a 17-14 lead, but that was quickly, quickly erased on a Baker Mayfield to DD Westbrook, 65 yard pass. Westbrook finished with seven catches for 131 yards. So as November begins, he is still, uh, just catching everything that comes his way and outrunning all the defensive secondaries. But so OU did what they needed to, to, to do going into Ames. And now they, they go back home and they host Baylor in a game that, uh, is maybe not quite as big as it was a couple weeks ago. Baylor's now lost two games in a row. They got beat, uh, by Texas and then they just got absolutely hammered by a TCU at home this past weekend. And when you kind of look at the, the matchups on paper, it looks like, oh, you should have quite the advantage. Baylor is still a dangerous team, but it's quite possibly they're just a flat out reeling team right now. Shock Linwood will not be playing, uh, for the Bears and which he had, he had kind of already got surpassed on the, on the depth chart by, uh, Hasty and, and Williams. But, um, nevertheless, that, that is still a loss for, for Baylor. But, but looking on paper, um, you know, OU should have have the advantage. Uh, it, it's they 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 do give up more yards on the defensive side of the ball, and Baylor is a very dangerous offensive team. But uh, here, the last few weeks, this Baylor offense has not been clicking 
Um, like we're probably used to a Baylor team clicking at this time of year, at least a, a, a Baylor team in the last few years. And, you know, there's been a lot of comments made about maybe the, the, the focus, uh, because of off the field issues and the scandal and, and, and players and coaches being loyal to Art Bryles. Perhaps that has caused some distraction for this Baylor team, but, um, they're still a very dangerous team, but I think OU, uh, should be able to to do what they do and do it well. Uh, they 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 are a 16 point favorite in this game, which is not something you would normally see with a seven and two team versus a six and two team. But I think that's just the odds makers seeing that the OU right now is playing better than anyone in the Big 12 conference. And and I I, I know some OU fans may be a little nervous about that statement, but um, it, it's true. Uh, the the defense is still quite suspect. Yes, they give up 421 yards, uh, almost 300 yards through the air. Uh, they do well at giving up 123 yards on the ground, which which Seth Russell is a dangerous quarterback. But this year, Baylor's teams they they actually average about 15 more yards uh, on the ground than they do through the air per game, and and they are a very balanced offense. But but you know this OU secondary is much maligned. They do have uh, talent in the secondary, but they don't have much depth. And, um, you know, if Baylor's big receivers have a chance to maybe get behind, uh, the, the OU secondary, well, maybe Baylor has a chance, but I, I just don't think at this point in the season, OU is going to let up. Uh, this is, this seems like a classic, uh, Bob Stoops teams that, that can see the, the, the goal line in sight. And, and I think they have every opportunity. They know they control their own destiny. And, uh, all sides are pointing towards that Bedlam game. If OU and OSU both take care of business, like we mentioned earlier in the show with Josh. Um, but, but in this game, I just, I really look for, Mayfield to continue his his great play. I mean, he is he's really really just stepped up his game the last the last five games especially, and and it looks like the Mayfield of old. And so as we as we see this game unfold this weekend, look for Mayfield to do his thing. I I, I fully expect him to to have an effective game and be able to get some yards through the air and and score some touchdowns. And then I just think this OU defense is going to – it may not be pretty at all times, but I think they'll provide enough separation and get enough stops to 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 allow OU to win this game um, by at least a couple scores. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, and it uh, should be a great weekend of college football yet again. It's, it's fun, isn't it? We're here in November, and uh, you've got you've got big games all the way around. Tulsa with that huge game up in Annapolis, Oklahoma State hosting Texas Tech, and 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 going to see if they can continue to to do what they need to do to compete for this title. And then OU, it's it's all in their hands. OU just needs to win, and uh, that's that's this is where you want to be if you're in November. If you're just a college football fan, things are starting to get very exciting. And uh, if you're a fan of any one of these state schools. Uh, it's it, it's going to be a fun three or four weeks here to end the season, and then oh yeah, like we mentioned earlier in the se- uh, in the show, uh, the Thunder are rolling, and uh, it's a long season, it's a long treacherous arduous season. So so you don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what, right now it's a lot of fun. It's a different look of a team. Uh, it's they don't score as many points. They 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 look very very ugly at times, but right now they're finding ways to win. And uh, if nothing else, it's just great watching Russell Westbrook do Russell Westbrook things. 
Well, hey, uh, we're going to get out of here. Hopefully next week, Jared will be back with us and uh, he'll be able to regale us with all kinds of stories. And uh, we'll, we'll be able to get down to business talking about this important week of college football and hopefully celebrating some team victories. And uh, until next time, don't forget you can follow us on, on, on the social medias, as they say. You can check us out on Twitter at OK Sports Show. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Oklahoma Sports Show. You can email us your questions, your thoughts uh, by, by emailing Show at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can go to oklahomatalking.co, and you can find blog posts, you can find our past episodes. And hey, don't forget, subscribe, uh, share it with your friends, tell everybody about it, and uh, feel like if you feel like re- leaving a review, even if it's a bad review, we'll read it, and uh, we'll, we'll enjoy it. But uh, just leave us a review, tell us what you think, and uh, make sure and tell all your friends. So until next week, I am Jason Evans, and you've been listening to the Oklahoma Sports Show. We'll see ya.